Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. So we are in a series called Summer in Psalms. And we are talking about our very favorite Psalms. We're in Summer in Psalms this series. Now, if you maybe have not been in church before, maybe you've never really studied the Bible, really quick, if you need notes and you didn't grab them when you came in, raise your hand. We say around here that we are note pushers. We love for people to take notes. Can I tell you why? Yes, you're like, yeah, it doesn't really matter if you want me to, I'll do it anyway. There's one over here that needs notes, guys. Um, so the reason why, I, I was cleaning out some of my old stuff a couple weeks ago, and I had notes, sermon notes from high school. I believe I had sermon notes from middle school in there. Um, I don't remember basically any words that anybody preached in middle school, uh, but I do remember that they gave us notes and that we could take notes and fill in the blanks just like you're doing today. Can you imagine in 10 years, 20 years, what if you pull something out that's gonna change the course of your life that you needed to hear at that moment? And so be a, a doer of the word, and one good way to do that is by taking notes. So we encourage that. So maybe you're new to church, and you're just like, what are the Psalms? I don't know what a Psalm, Psalms is the exit that I passed to get here, right? <laughs> Different Psalms. Psalms are basically a collection of ancient Jewish worship songs, kind of like how a lot of churches now have hymnals. That's basically what the Psalms were. They were a collection of ancient Jewish worship songs. And so when we talk about them, there are different authors. Most of them were written by King David, but there were also other people, the sons of Korah, were some guys that wrote them. Moses wrote some of them, various people. And uh, a lot of the time, many of us have heard these Psalms before that we're going to speak about. Like maybe you've heard Psalm 23, which I believe Abi spoke about last week, and you've heard it a million times, but there's something that we have to remember. This is really important, and it's really deep, so get ready for it. We don't know everything there is to know about the Bible. And no matter how many times we hear the same Psalm, we might get something different out of it the next time. Because God meets you where you're at in that season and in that moment. And so I was reading Psalm 84. Now, Psalm 84 is a song that is about worship. It's about living in the presence of God. We sang that song, let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. And so as a worship pastor, you can guess that I like psalms that talk about dwelling in the presence of God, that talk about living in his presence. So I've read this probably a million times, but about a month or two ago, maybe a little more, I read it and my wife Christy could tell you something jumped out at me and it was different than it had been before. It wasn't the part that I loved to read over and over again. It was a different section of it. And so today I'm excited to share what I'm learning with you. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna read straight through this and then we're gonna dive in. Sound good? So I'm reading out of the English Standard Version. It says, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. Now, hosts just means basically heaven's armies. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay your young, her young at, her altars, at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. 
Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Selah. Blessed are those whose strength is in you and whose heart are the highways to Zion or Jerusalem. As they go through the, the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord of heaven's armies, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob, Selah. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand anywhere else. It's probably my favorite scripture in all of the Bible right here. It says, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for your wisdom that's being imparted to us. So we open our ears to learn. We ask you to teach us. I pray that as I speak, that you would uh, enable me to speak your words, that you teach me as I speak. And Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that as we sit in the seats, that we would learn things that are not even coming out of my mouth, but are coming directly from the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, everybody said... Amen. So I love, obviously, the part that talks about dwelling in the presence of God, and I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God, and and we'll get there. But as I was reading this scripture a couple of months ago, I locked into this part about when they passed through the valley of Baca, and that word, some translate it to mean the valley of weeping. You'll see that in some translations. And it talks about how we pass through a valley of weeping on our way to Zion. And Zion is a picture, uh, Jerusalem, is basically where these people would go to experience the presence of the living God. And so I began to kind of lock into this. I think every one of us at some point or another in our lives, we walk through a valley of weeping. Would you agree with that? I mean, I'm sure that we've all, all been there already. And I unfortunately can guarantee you that you're gonna go through a valley of weeping again that you're going to go through a tough time. Jesus promised that we would see trouble here on the earth. But he said, but take heart, have courage, for I have overcome the world. And so today we're going to talk about how to get out of the valley. Look at your neighbor and say, get out of the valley. So uh, I don't know if you saw, we decided to use a, a, a graphic if you want to put that up there, Avi, we decided to use that for straight out of the valley, if anybody. I figured we might as well just use it. It was appropriate. We could make it work, yeah? So the title of our message today is Straight Out of the Valley. So we're going to have a little bit of fun tonight, but we're going to talk about what it means to go through the valley and to make it to the other side. You can take that off if you want to. But we're going to talk about what it means to get to the other side of the valley. Now, I believe that in this passage of scripture, we see four things that will enable us to make it through the valley of weeping in our lives. Now, I don't know about you, but it can be difficult to keep your focus in the valley. It can be difficult to see more than a couple feet maybe in front of your face when you're walking through a valley. But we have to trust God and we have to follow these principles. So I wanna share these with you really quick. Number one, desire. We're going to bounce around this scripture a little bit, and we're going to use different portions of it to highlight how we make it through. Desire. 
If you look back to the first couple of verses in this, it says, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, it faints for the courts of the Lord. In verses one and two, the psalmist expresses an intense desire to be in God's presence. That's your first blank. Letter A says, a Christian's goal should be to long for God's presence more than anything else in life. You know, I wonder how many of us would say, I will faint if I don't make it to the presence of God today. I gotta be honest with you, I don't, I don't think I'm on that level. This guy was saying, if I don't make it to the presence of God, I will literally just pass out. I can't make it through my day without him. What would it look like if our longing was that way? People who desire God's presence are willing to make sacrifices in order to spend personal time with him and connect with other believers at church. So do you know what I found out when I was studying this about, um, making, or about, who's, about making this journey? It says in this scripture, it says, in whose hearts are the highways to Zion. And it says they pass through a valley of weeping. The Jewish people were required to take three pilgrimages per year to the city of Zion or Jerusalem. So he was being pretty literal when he was talking about in whose heart are the highways to Zion. And I think it's really interesting because they probably had to go through extreme sacrifice to get to Jerusalem for these religious festivals and these pilgrimages. We are the kind of people who have to be willing to sacrifice to spend time with God. In fact, Number one right here says, parents who desire God's presence will not only position themselves to encounter him through daily devotion and being planted in the local church, they will position their entire family to do so by raising their kids in that environment. So let me stop on this for just a second. Where do you get that thought from, Pastor Cody? Okay, when it talks about a sparrow finds its nest or its home, at your altar. You ever had like a bird that was making a nest on your porch and you don't want to disturb the eggs. Do you feel bad, but you really also don't want to have a nest on your porch, you know? So this is kind of what David's talking about. He says, these birds make a nest, but look at what he says right after that. He says, a place where they can lay their eggs or another translation says, a place where they can raise their young. A person who finds refuge and shelter and who chooses to live in the presence of God, it doesn't just affect their lives, but their family dynamic begins to shift because they choose to position their family in the house of God. Can you imagine, this is what I think to myself, what would have happened if my parents hadn't chosen to position our family in the house of God? Our family was a mess. We're pretty open about that until we decided to step in to the presence of God and to step into living in the house of God, to being part of the local church. And I will say this, and I'm gonna say it pretty strong. Um, your level of desire for the presence of God, to be quite honest with you, can be judged by your level of commitment to attending church. And you might say, well, I can experience God's presence um, on my own at home, but there's a difference when you're here under a corporate anointing with all the other believers. And there's something else that's imparted to you. And there's something else that you receive when you come. And here's the other thing. And you can be mad at me. I'm okay with that. From years of working in youth ministry, 
If you want your kids to grow up following the things of God, model it by not giving them the choice whether or not they're gonna come to church with you. Bring them with you. I've seen it so many times when parents said, well, my kid doesn't have time to be a part of the worship team. I understand schedules, but let's make sure that we prioritize teaching our kids to use their spiritual gifts in the house of God. So letter C, I'm gonna move on for you. I'm gonna run as fast as I can away from that to help you feel better. Here's the thing we were talking about though. You guys are the Wednesday night crowd. That means that you are committed to being here. Amen? Awesome. The extreme desire, letter C, to be in God's presence is something that is developed. Everybody say developed. It comes over time. It's an acquired taste. Taste and see that the Lord is good. You know, like if you change your diet, you maybe want to switch to eating healthier, eating more fruits and vegetables. Oftentimes, fruits and vegetables just don't sound as good as french fries. And we try to pass them off as it's a vegetable, so it'll be fine. It's a vegetable fried in vegetable oil, so it'll be double fine, right? But fruits and vegetables don't often seem as good. But once you begin to work them into your diet, your palate begins to change. An extreme desire for the presence of God is something that's developed, but it's something that can be lost as well. It's like anything. You can develop it, but you can lose it. In fact, Jesus said to one of the churches in Revelation chapter two that they had lost their first love. And here's what's crazy about this is they were doing all the good religious things, but they forgot the relational aspect. And we can forget that too. D, an intense longing to be close to God will carry you when you don't feel like going on anymore. Ask yourself, am I the kind of person who desperately needs God or the kind of person who gives up when things get hard? Am I the kind of person who desperately needs and pursues God or do I give up when things get hard? So the first thing that we have to do in order to make it through a valley in life is we have to have a desire for the presence of the living God because that's what's gonna sustain us. Number two, we have to decide. Letter A, your level of desire sets your level of determination. Your level of determination is the deciding factor in whether or not you will reach your intended destination. Desire and destination. I wrote this down, value determines priority. Priority determines our actions and our actions determine our results. What I value, I will prioritize. And what I truly prioritize, I will act on. I'll make time for it. And that will shape the course of my life. I thought it was really interesting. And again, I've never seen this before. In verse five, it says, in whose heart are the highways to Zion? It doesn't say in whose head. They know exactly where to go to get to the presence of God. It says in whose heart. Letter B says not prioritizing the things of God isn't an issue of busyness, but of the heart. A lot of times we tell ourselves, well, I'm just too busy to do this. 
I'm too busy to spend time with God. I'm too busy to be part of a life group. I'm too busy to serve. I'm too busy to come to church. But what we don't realize is that it's not an issue of busyness, it's an issue of priorities and priorities are reflective of the value that we place on God's presence in our hearts. Shifting gears a little bit, when we're in the valley, sometimes, to be honest with you, we don't prioritize the presence of God because we just don't feel good. We don't feel like praising God. So we begin to kind of put him on the shelf because we're kind of concerned about all the other details and all the bad things that are happening to us. And so if you see here in letter C, it says you don't have to wait until you feel like praising God to start doing it. Make a decision to praise and your feelings will catch up with you. So this is the section where we're going to spend some time today. And I wanted to highlight the meaning of this other stuff, but I also want to give you some time in this section because this is the section that really impacted me. In verse four, that's where the basis for that previous statement comes from. It says, blessed are those who dwell in your house ever singing your praise. It doesn't say singing your praise when they feel like it. It doesn't say singing your praise when things are going well. It says ever singing your praise. And blessing follows people who choose to praise God no matter what. Sometimes the blessing is just that your perspective is better than it would have been had you not chosen to take take time out and praise him. So when we go down and we see that in verse four, that if we choose to praise God, then we will walk in his blessing. The other thing that I want to see here is that it says we go through the valley of weeping. Another translation says they pass through the valley of weeping. Letter D says, don't put up a tent in a place God wants you to pass through. Don't stay somewhere that God intended for you to pass through. And a lot of times what happens is we get frustrated because things didn't go our way or we're not frustrated. We feel like maybe God forgot about me or maybe I did something wrong and that's why I landed in this valley. So what I'll do is I'll just camp here. I'll just sit here and I'll just wallow. But God intends for you to walk out to the other side. Notice that in verse six, it says, as they go through the valley of weeping, they, that's your blank there, they make it a place of springs. It doesn't say God makes it a place of springs. It says they do. I want to teach you something really quick. This is something that my dad taught me. My dad is a retired Marine. And he taught me that, (laughs) thanks for that. (laughs) Uh, He taught me that, uh, and I never forget this, when you are facing, when I was be facing something really tough in life, something that was coming against me. What I learned from my dad was that he said, listen, when they taught us what to do if we were ever ambushed, the rule was you don't run away. You work your way out of it. You go forward. You fight your way through it. You don't just sit there. You definitely don't run because then you have no chance, but you fight your way through it. A lot of times what we do is we're on our way to what God has for us and we're on our way to the blessing that he has for us and we're on our way to the life that he's intended for us. But what we do is we get attacked, we get ambushed, so we sit down or we run the other way and we think maybe I wasn't ever supposed to come this way. But God's intent was for you to fight through it, to make it all the way through. And here's what happens when we choose 
to position ourselves in such a place that we've decided we're going to make it to God's best for us no matter what. We can, as according to this scripture, we can turn the place that was barren, the place that was a place of weeping, we can turn it into a place of springs. The word they tells us that it's our choice to either let the valleys discourage us or make us stronger. That's number one. The word they tells us that it's our choice to either let the valleys discourage us or make it stronger. I skipped this statement, but I want to say it because it's important. You can dwell on your problems or you can dwell in his presence, but you cannot do both. In Psalms, you would see where David would come and he would spit his problems out to God and it was ugly. But eventually he would shift gears and get the focus onto how big and how great God was. He didn't stay there. The word they tells us that it's our choice to either let the values discourage us or make us stronger. Check this out for a second with me. Go here with me. Two, number two, springs signify life and depth. Everybody say life and depth. So when you stop and think about springs, a spring comes from deep underground. Jen Johnson, she's one of the worship leaders at at Bethel Church. She says that a lot of people want to be a funnel so that God can just begin to pour and speak through them to other people. She said, but I would like to be a funnel and a well. I would like to have a depth in my relationship with God that also God can just draw things out of me that were already there. That when I encounter a person, there's a depth to me that I can say what needs to be said because of my history and my relationship with God. If you choose in a time of walking through a valley, if you choose to allow God to work in your life, to decide that you're not gonna give up, when you come out on the other side, you will be a source of life for people who are walking through the valley as well. You'll have, a, you'll have a depth to you that enables you to pour into the lives of other people, to refresh them as they walk through the valley because you chose to make the best of the valley instead of running away. Because you chose to focus on God. In your valley season, you can choose to grow deeper. It's blank number three in your, in God and make him your source of life. Or you can simply sit down and self-pity. Now I'm going to go through this really quick. I had a story about the other day when we, when it rained really hard Monday night, we almost got our car stuck twice and no, it wasn't a low water crossing. It was on a regular street, but it was so flooded. We came out of a movie and it was just pouring like crazy. But you know, excess rain can be a nuisance sometime, right? It's really interesting. Uh, I've been listening to a song for days now called Send the Rain. It's by William McDowell. And in this song, he says, rain is a nuisance if you don't have seed in the ground, but rain is a blessing if you do. When we talk about pools, pools signify abundance. Pools signify an overflow. Pools signify more than enough. And it says here that the autumn rains, the early rains, they fill up these pools with water. Now, I think it's interesting because we can create a place with springs, but rain comes from God. And the autumn rain fills up these pools. Now, that word for autumn rain or early rain is only used, that specific word, one other time in scripture. It's used in Joel 2, where God, later in the chapter, talks about how he's going to pour out his spirit on all people. 
In Joel 2, 23 and 24, it says, Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the former rain, that's that same word, faithfully, and he will cause the rain to come down for you. The former rain, that's the word, and the latter rain in the first month. And it says this, The threshing floors shall be full of wheat, and the vats shall overflow with new wine and oil. Now you think, vat is a weird word, number one. And number two, why are we talking about oil and wine? Oil represents the anointing. Oil represents the Holy Spirit. So I think it's fascinating that we see this picture of God sending rain and filling up these pools. And the only other time he uses that word for rain is in this beautiful passage about the anointing and the Holy Spirit and God's provision. He says he'll provide more than enough wheat. He'll provide wine. He'll provide oil. If we will allow God to work in our lives, then in the place of the valley, when bad things were happening to us, the Holy Spirit will reign on us and the anointing of God will come upon us and we'll have more than enough, whether it's financially, whether it's physically, and definitely I can tell you, you will have more than enough spiritually to sustain you and see you through. But I wanna touch on this and I don't think I'm gonna finish my notes. I'm pulling a Pastor Ken today. Uh, I'll answer for that later. Uh, yes, sir. Thank you. Uh, a pool is not just there for your benefit. And I was reading one commentary and they were talking about other people come and be refreshed at these pools. When I was in one of the toughest seasons of my entire life, I learned a lot from God. I learned who he was and how he thought of me. And I will never forget, I was sitting in the parking lot of the grocery store and I was in my car and I was just having a horrible time. So stressed, there were physical effects on my body. And I said, God, I need a word. God, I need to hear from you. I get out of the car, I begin to walk to the store and there's a security guard. And God gives me a word for the security guard. So I talk to the security guard. I just tell him, here's what I feel like the Lord's telling you. And you got to know before you say something like that. Don't just make it up. Uh, (laughs) I'm leaving that alone. A friend of mine said the other day, somebody told him, you are all about to have a baby, like all your friends. And it's going to be, the first one's going to be a boy. And the one guy was like, I already have a baby. (laughs) They thought it was going to be his first baby. It was just not there. So don't make it up. Anyways, sorry for going all over the place on that. So I walk in, God gives me a word for the security guard. I tell the security guard, this is what I feel like the Lord's telling you. Does that resonate with you? He's like, oh yeah, that's spot on. That's exactly it. So I go back to my car and I just said, thanks a lot, God. Like I was asking for a word for me and you gave me a word for the security guard. But you know what? Number one, the place of blessing that God had in the middle of my trial wasn't just for my benefit. It was for me to pour into somebody else. Number two, I I did learn something that day. I was able to hear the voice of the Lord speaking to that man how you're going to treat the valley. Let's move on really, really quick. Pools signify abundance and anointing. Verse four. I'm going to go as quick as I can. A, the pools of spiritual life, refreshing and abundance that come out of your time in the the valley are not just for you. They exist to bless and sustain other people who walk through the valley. 
Now, I want to show you this really quick. The phrase strength to strength in verse 7, it says, they go from strength to strength. Each one of them will appear before God in Zion. Strength to strength means that you gain more strength. It's the easiest thing. We've all heard it before. What was meant to kill you and take you out should make you stronger if you stay on the path that God intended for you to stay on. But here's something interesting. The word for strength to strength also denotes adding to the number of people that are going with you. Pastor Daniel Grove says, your destiny is connected to thousands of other people's destinies. Letter G, your choice to push through the valley could mean the difference between somebody making it out of their valley or even coming to know Jesus Christ. Listen, if you give up now, you could shortchange all those people that you were supposed to take with you. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Think on this. The call of God on your life is too valuable to allow a setback to make you sit down and give up. And if you decide to make it through the valley, you'll come out stronger and take other people with you. There is no way on earth that I'm going to finish these notes, so my bad. Uh, But I'll give you a little bit more of what what we're going through tonight. Number three is depend. Another key to making it through a valley is depending on God. You can see that blank in verse number, in uh, letter one says, verse six says, the early rain covers it with pools. You can't make the rain fall. It's only God who provides it. Verse eight says, O Lord of heaven's armies, hear my prayer. Letter B, our ability to make it through depends on his willingness to see us through. But here's the thing. He's always willing to do that. Verse nine, you see this kind of odd thing. It's a request for God to look upon their king with favor. But here's the thing in letter C, Jesus is our anointed king. And it's because of the favor of God on his life that we walk in the blessing of the father. Letter D, God doesn't see you through the valley because of your performance. He sees you through the valley because you have been made right with him through Christ. Letter E, your your right standing with God isn't based on your works, but on the finished work of Christ. Now, if you need to get these notes, you can get them uh, from Crystal Contreras, Crystal C, if we could put that up there, yeah. Um, I want to say this really quick, and I want to be very clear about that. Our righteousness, our right standing with God is not based on how good we've done, but all the good that he did for us 2,000 years ago on a cross. And a lot of times, you'll see this in the blanks, what gets us into a valley is us trying to express our independence, A lot of times what gets us into a bad place is actually the fact that we tried to make the plan of God happen on our own. Now, to be honest with you, a lot of times as well, it's that you're doing everything right and life is rough and the devil is mean and you're gonna have to push through it. But it's important that we note that our job is to be dependent on him. Because when you desire God's presence, when you decide that you're gonna go through this valley no matter what and come out stronger on the other side and take some people with you. And when you depend on him, you'll come to a place of dwelling or living in his presence. You'll come to a place 
of continually being in community with him. Don't ever let anything keep you from that place. The Bible says in Nehemiah 8.10 that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And Psalm 16.11 says in the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy. So if you need strength to get through a valley today, you need the joy of God. And if you don't know where to find joy, joy is found in his presence. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.